In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Welcome to the first session of the 2023-2024. There are one-up sessions, which uh, we give thanks to God for having brought us here uh, into this chapel as an opportunity, of course, to develop one of the most important uh, dimensions of our life. The most important and fundamental dimension, of course, is uh, that we are sons of a merciful Father who loves us. But though that is true, he's like the the sun in the sense, like the sun sun in the sky who is all-powerful and always present, just like the sun is present to us now too. We can sometimes, uh, we can hide from that or at least uh, not realize that fundamental dimension of our life, that we are sons of God and we have a loving Father. And that's a truth that some people forget about. They get maybe kind of blinded to it. And when you come to one up, you develop your human qualities, your prudence. it's It's a virtue to always do the right way of acting. Be courageous when you have to be courageous, to be... Uh, careful when you have to be careful to develop your God-given talents. And all that can only really be done when we are conscious of God's presence. You know, there was a Canadian priest a number of years ago who originally was born into a Lutheran family. So his parents were Protestant and he really didn't know much uh, about the Catholic faith, though uh, he eventually did convert and actually became a priest. He became a Catholic and then eventually became a priest. But for many years in his life, he just lived in this uh, Lutheran family and they were practicing. But he said that, you know, one time somebody asked him, when were you born again? When were you born again? You know that. One thing that the Protestants often ask you, when were you born again? He said, well, I was born again, I guess, in grace when I was baptized. And you, no doubt, have all been baptized. And that is God's grace coming into our soul through baptism. But he said he consciously remembered becoming more aware of God's grace when he was uh, in elementary school, I don't know what grade he was in, grade five or six or something like that, and he was a troublemaker. He would always hide his friends, uh, his classmates' uh, pencils so they couldn't write, and he would would be a troublemaker, you know, a real troublemaker. And he would tease them and stuff like that. So one day, the teacher took him into a room. It was like a secret room where students were always spoken to when there was something important. And just going into that room, he realized, oh boy, I'm in trouble. Something is up. And so the teacher looked at him. She was tall. He was a little guy. 
And she said, you know, Richard, you really have, you have behaved very badly in these last few days. You've done this to your classmates and that. You haven't done your homework. And she said, and you know, all those bad things you do, you know, God is very, very disappointed in you. He's very disappointed. And when she said that, he suddenly realized that God was disappointed in him because God was aware of everything that he was doing. He used to think, well, I see God once in a while when I go to Mass or go to, in his case, it was a church service. And there, yeah, okay, God sees me. But God saw him when he was doing those things. God was aware. And indeed, she said, God is disappointed. And, and rather than making him afraid, rather than make him feel sad, it suddenly f- filled him with a great sense of wonder that God was with him all the time. Suddenly, he, he was kind of converted and felt a deep sense of reverence to the fact that God was watching him all the time at every moment and that it was a loving father who was now, well, yeah, disappointed in what he had done. And that little conversation with that teacher completely changed his approach to life. He became aware that God was always present. And it made him work better, made him be a better student. And he became a very, very uh, well-known priest, first as a Lutheran, then as a as a Catholic, and he wrote many books. Uh, he's founded institutions about learning, and he became very famous. Why? Because he became aware of the most essential thing in his life, and that God was always watching. And that is what, well, that's what you come here to one up to do, to become more aware of that essential dimension. So that God is not only present when you're here at one up, or for that matter, when you're here in the oratory. And perhaps an image uh, that we can consider is a passage from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 5, where St. Luke tells us that Jesus was in Capernaum, a town, and uh, he was in a house, and there were lots and lots of people there in that house. And we are told that suddenly, as they were in the house, somebody opened up the ceiling of the house and lowered their friend, who was a paralytic. So there were four guys who had their friend, who was paralyzed, who couldn't walk. They had him on a kind of a cot, a kind of a stretcher, and they lowered him down in front of Jesus. And the the gospel says, seeing their faith, not the stretcher, the guy on the stretcher, but seeing their faith, he said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. And all the Pharisees and all the people there said, how can that be? How can this man uh, forgive this man's sins? Only God can do that. Only God. They just thought this. They didn't say this. They just thought this. They were scandalized. How can this man say that your sins are forgiven, that's not possible. And so Jesus said, well, to show you that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, I say to you, and he addressed himself to the paralytic, he says, take up your pallet, take up your stretcher, and walk. And there, as you know, in the midst of them, he was healed. He was no longer paralytic. He got up. He, suddenly, he was suddenly able to walk. 
and everybody was filled with wonder. And my sense is that all that happened because of the friends of the paralytic. Probably there was one of those guys, one of those four guys that probably had more faith and he had the initiative. My sense is that that one guy loved his friend more. Maybe his friend had had an accident or he'd been sick for a long time or something. But he had probably more faith and therefore more initiative. And he probably told his friends, you know, let's, I hear about this guy, Jesus. He's here in town. Let's go to the house where he is. I heard he's in this house. Let's go and take him there. And the other guy said, well, okay, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, whatever, let's do it. So they, and then they arrived there and there were too many people, so they couldn't get in. There was too much room and they wouldn't get in. They couldn't get in. So they went up the roof. And that was also the initiative of this one guy. I'm just, you know, you know, elaborating here. I'm imagining. This guy said, okay, let's go to the side of the house. And how do you remove? So one guy said, I don't know how to remove these tiles. And, you know, they were like slipped in and you had to pull a nail out or something. And he said, wait, wait, I know. I, I, I've seen this done before. And he pulled some of, the, some of the heavier elements and suddenly opened. So he would have had both the initiative uh, to bring this guy, the initiative to go up on the roof, and the initiative to resolve the problem of lowering their friend. But when they lowered their friend, they all had to do it together. You can't just have one guy, it's too heavy. You had to have four guys collaborating carefully to place their paralyzed friend in front of Jesus. And let's say that that's a little bit what we're learning to do here. Okay? Remember that Jesus said, seeing their faith, or, or the gospel says, see, Jesus, seeing their faith. And he was like moved at seeing their faith. And you and I are going to be together. You, we're going to do something to help our friends, eh? to help our siblings. To, you know, to be like those friends of the paralytic, working together to lower others in front of Jesus. But for that, we have to know how to do it. We have, you know, and, and that's why we, says, we say that really friendship is something that we learn here. We become friends of each other. But friendship also transforms us. It makes us better. It's, it gives us this love that kind of like gives us wings. Right? It gives us initiative. And what's the beautiful thing about friendship is that it kind of leaves like a footprint, you could say, uh, on others. You know, that paralytic couldn't leave a footprint because he couldn't walk. And uh, at least he couldn't leave a physical footprint. But after he got healed... Not only could he leave an actual physical footprint, but now he could, he could leave a footprint in others. He could, he could help others, maybe even together uh, with his friends. And so the purpose of One Up is, is that in our life, we are men. You are young men, becoming men, and almost adults, that will be able to leave a footprint, a mark, an impact in others. That requires taking responsibility like that one guy, thinking things out. How can I help? What can I do? How can I figure this out? And when we leave a footprint, it really affects others. It can transform their life. Like no doubt it transformed the life of that paralytic. Perhaps you read that story about Saint Josemaria who, when he was uh, like about your age, about 15 years old, had to move with his family to a place in Spain called Logroño. 
Logroño, northern Spain, and how he recounts that one morning he there would have been a snowstorm, and as he walked off, as he walked around in the morning, it was freezing cold. He was huddled there, lots of snow. He saw two Carmelite priests. And they were walking towards the church, and, and there was snow everywhere. And he saw that at least one of those priests was wearing, uh, had, was not wearing sandals, like he was barefoot. The other one was probably wearing some kind of sandals, but, but the, he saw this guy, and then he saw those footprints in the snow. He saw the footprints that they left. And immediately seeing the footprints and seeing those guys, he said, wow, you know, there are guys who have that kind of love for God, that they're ready to, to live in a way that they don't live with comforts, they don't have nice Nike running shoes or, or boots. So imagine, imagine if you're a disgusted Carmelite, well, that's part of your thing, you have to walk barefoot. Now, we're not necessarily called to wear, walk barefoot. It's not necessarily our call. I suppose it is for some. But the key is that that vision that St. Josemaria had of, of this man and the other one who were living out their vocation and being generous, wow, it, it, it never went away. It never went away. And, uh, and so it transformed him. And we can ask ourselves, you know, what kind of footprint are we going to leave in the lives of others? What kind of footprint are you going to really leave? Or are you just going to go and just live your life, not care too much, not, or just like live a, like have a, imagine if you were to have as, as an ideal to live a comfortable life, right? To have the right boots, to have the light, nice bed, and just like, I just want to live on my own and live my comfortable life. Well, I, I suppose you could do that. And it's probably, I'm sure it's all possible for each one of you to live a comfortable life. Or you have what you want, you have the food you want, friendships and stuff like that, comfortable. But here, we're here to discover that that really doesn't satisfy the ideals and the idealism of a young man. You know, imagine if, if you were asked, what do you want to do in your life? I, I hope you would not say, I want to live a comfortable life, I want to be rich and live a comfortable life and have all the food I want all, and, and just be wealthy. It would be it would be rather um, somewhat paralyzing. We would be like the paralytic. And so we have to try to see the footprints around us. And I would say that, that if St. Josemaria was awakened when he saw those footprints, I think it was because he, was already, he already had a certain prayer life. You know, if he had been inwardly dead with no interior life never praying he would have seen those footprints and ah, who cares it doesn't matter to me but since he already was a man of prayer seeing somebody else's example as he did there it stirred something up in him and that was God acting boom like there God's grace and uh, and that's why we have to come here to pray. You, you, you know, when I'm talking here, I mean, okay, I'm saying things, but really the purpose is that you and I together pray with our Lord here. And we can tell the Lord now in our prayer, like interiorly, we can say, Lord, I don't want to live a comfortable life. I don't want that to be my goal. My goal is really to discover my divine vocation, what you have created me for, what my purpose is. 
And God doesn't reveal that to us like He doesn't send an angel down who takes a, you know, a feather from his wing and writes on a piece of parchment, oh here, this is your vocation, this is what you must do, and here, read it. Or here, I download an email so you can, you can read what your vocation is. You know? So I don't think any of you will get an email from our Lord saying, by the way, you know, when you have a moment, you can reply. You know? That's probably not how you, he's going to communicate your vocation. I know, okay, we didn't have email in my day, but still, we had letters. And he never sent me a letter. You know? But it's for sure that he's going to send you other letters other footprints, other people, other, we call them, inklings. And the only way to be aware, the only way to really get bandwidth to hear that is to be a soul of prayer. To be aware that God wants to speak. And that way, we will kind of see the footprints of God in your life. You know, when I was a kid, we had a game. You know, you have... We have a whole box of games, a whole cupboard full of games uh, of all kinds, you know, board games. And we had a board game, and right now I don't remember what the exact title was because it was in German, and I don't remember, but I know that one of the tasks in the game, there were all these little, little cards with photos of animal tracks. And part of the game was that you had to identify the animal track. Was this a wolf? Was this a deer? Was this a skunk? You know, that animal tracks in the snow, right? And you can begin to figure out that, well, some animals are hoppers, you know, they, they go like that. Others are straddlers, and they, they move like that, you know. Others are straight arrows, you know, like a fox. He's a straight arrow. You know, he, and he'll, he, I don't know, he walks in a way. You can see by the traces they leave. But they're also, they call them, um, uh, they're, they're not quite smooth steppers, like right? they they leave a little line between each uh, each leg as it as it kind of runs in the snow, you could say. You know? They drag their feet, let's say. So the Lord is inviting us, see, where am I dragging my feet, or am I like that Carmelite to make a beeline to the church to, to pray? So let's ask uh, the Lord for this. As we go along, we'll try to develop the different ways in which to pray, we can do that in the mentoring. You can learn about it and open up beautiful perspectives. But it's key because becoming a man of, of prayer is essential. Because if right now, if your prayer is kind of like dry and stale, like an old crusty bagel that nobody's eaten and is half eaten, okay, maybe your prayer is like that. It's like a dry, stale bagel. Or maybe it's like a broken record, you know, it's, you're going through the same thing, you're saying Hail Marys or something, you know, or like a, like a gif that you receive in your text, you know, that repeats the same silly image. It's just like repetitive. Or maybe we think that God is like a vending machine in the sky that we ask and we put a little bit in and we demand that he gives us good marks or he demands, we demand that he gives us something we want. Mm-hmm. Or worse, if our prayer time would be like a chore and annoying like dusting or vacuuming the whole house while everybody's having fun playing soccer outside well of course if our prayer is like any of those things it's natural it'd be you know it's evident that we would stop praying if our prayer was like that and if we were to stop praying our faith will become weak 
anemic, like a flower that has not been ever watered, it would be it would just dry out and die. And we're here to pray so that our faith becomes vigorous, becomes beautiful like a flower full of fruit or full of buds and, and will grow and we will understand and hear God's call. So we ask in particular now the Blessed Virgin Mary, hey, we always say she kept all those things in her heart, meaning she prayed. Eh? And we will learn here how to pray. Don't be afraid. Don't think it's going to be a chore. Don't think it's going to be dry and stale or annoying. Open, let's open our heart now to what God has to tell us and be filled with the marvel of being uh, gazed upon eh, as a son of God who loves us eh, and uh, who is sometimes disappointed eh, with what we do. He's disappointed because he sees us all the time. And our prayer and our faith will come to help us discover that. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.